Hello everyone, Merry Christmas. I'm Kurt Coffey with Case IH. The holiday season is one of my favorite times of the year. It is a time to reconnect with our friends, our family, and our loved ones. For more than 180 years, Case IH has been a proud partner of farmers. We've been anticipating your needs and providing purposeful solutions to address farmers' challenges. It's an honor and a privilege to work alongside you in such a noble industry. At Case IH, we get to do what we truly love, which is to work in agriculture. From our family to yours, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. A season of togetherness. And we have families that have been coming out to the farm for over 30 years. Of light. And we thought, you know, how nice would it be to bring our horses in one night a week for four weeks and give our community an opportunity to walk through and see our horses and learn a little bit more about us. And the tradition of the season. Stuckey's really is synonymous with the road trip during what I consider the era of the Great American Road Trip. It's time once again to celebrate Christmas in the country. Good morning and Merry Christmas. I'm Clinton Griffiths. And I'm Tyne Morgan and welcome to this year's Christmas in the Country. We know that many of you have traveled from near and far to be with family and friends this holiday. And one particular stop on the holiday road is starting to make a resurgence. That's right, Tyne. I traveled to Renz, Georgia, where that roadside icon is cooking up a comeback with the help of local farmers. Dashing through the snow. In a front-wheel drive sleigh. Hey kids, look a deer. There's nothing more seasonal than a holiday road trip. And at one time, Stuckey's was a likely stop. At our peak, we had 368 stores in 40 states. The roadside oasis is woven into the fabric of highway history. Stuckey's really is synonymous with the road trip during what I consider the era of the Great American Road Trip, which would have been the 1950s to the 1970s, when Americans wouldn't travel by plane. They would load up in the car, usually in a family station wagon, and they'd drive for five days. It was founded during the Great Depression by pecan farmer W.S. Stuckey as a roadside pecan stand. He always considered himself, first and foremost, a pecan farmer and a pecan broker. Today, his granddaughter is leading a resurgence of that business, not as a highway stop, but as a pecan company with roots on Georgia farms. I want us to be, this is our big audacious goal, the go-to pecan snack brand in the world. Helping her on the journey, a third generation pecan farmer. As a Georgia pecan grower, I may be a little bit biased, I don't know, but I mean, I, I genuinely believe we grow the best pecans in the world in the state of Georgia. He credits ample rainfall and higher oil content with resulting in larger sized nuts, perfect for creating candy treats at Christmas. Today, on an in-shell basis, they handle about two million pounds of Georgia pecans a year in a state that grows 100 million pounds. In the state of Georgia, which grows more pecans than any state in the country, over 10% of the crop is grown in people's yards. Soon, they'll be using even more as the business continues to expand. Why is it that when you go into the grocery store and you walk down the salty snack aisle and you get to the nuts, you can find every other nut sitting in that section, but you don't see pecans there very often? 
A question this farmer and farmer's granddaughter are aiming to answer. Of the original 368 stores, only 12 left. But I saw what wasn't on the balance sheets, and that's the value of the brand. A brand dumping, churning, dipping, and packaging pecans, log rolls and clusters, just the way the founder W.S. Stuckey did when he started. I would like to think if he were alive today, he would be really happy that we're making our comeback the way we began as a pecan company. And we're just getting started celebrating Christmas in the country. That's right, Clinton. Coming up, we celebrate the season by heading to a horse farm. Christmas in the country is brought to you by Case IH. The Farmall has been an iconic partner on the farm for generations. Come celebrate a century of Farmall, the one for all, with us at farmall100.com. President Biden and First Lady Dr. Jill Biden on hand for the lighting of the National Christmas Tree in Washington, D.C. This year's tree came from Monogaly National Forest in West Virginia. The tradition dates back to 1923 when President Calvin Coolidge turned the lights on that first national Christmas tree. Decorating for the holidays doesn't have to just be about putting up lights on a tree. How about decorating an entire stable all for a great cause? That's the case each year at Rainbow Meadows Equine Rescue in Junction at City, Kansas, as Christmas at the stables drums up support for a great cause. The stalls glistening once again with candy canes and silver lanes that glow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas here in Junction City, Kansas at the Rainbow Meadows Equine Rescue. And what we want people to become aware of more than anything is that there are horses within our community that need a safe place to land and Rainbow Meadows provides that safe refuge. Guys, ready? Karen Everhart is the executive director and founder of Rainbow Meadows, an equine rescue and retirement organization. Christmas at the stables isn't just festive, it's an experience all can enjoy. And we thought, you know, how nice would it be, even though our horses generally do not come in at night, to bring our horses in one night a week for four weeks, allow them a special treat of alfalfa hay that makes them happy, and give our community an opportunity to walk through and see our horses and learn a little bit more about us. In its third year, visitors have the chance to see more than 40 horses this year, as Christmas at the Stables has exploded in popularity. We anticipated maybe on a good night, we might have, I don't know, 100 people come through here. And last week we had 600 people through here. And that may be because the mission here extends beyond the holidays. Rainbow Meadows is essentially a passion-driven organization. We operate typically somewhere between 45 and 50 horses on any given day. What's now a 501c3, Everhart says started in the summer of 2005, right after she retired from the healthcare industry. Individuals who found out that I had a relatively large ranch and had a long history with horses, we became aware of horses that were in need and they reached out to me and said, hey, this horse is in trouble. What's the chance it could come live with you? In its 19th year of operations, Everhart says Rainbow Meadows helps horses in three areas. The first is those that actually come in as direct intakes, and we probably bring 40 to 50 horses in each year. But we also are involved in 
helping horses a little more indirectly. So if there are large seizures of horses, they may not physically ever come here just due to capacity. And I will help provide new homes for them through what we call a placement process. From physical rehab to emotional rehabilitation, the work here has turned into several miracles, including one horse named Phoenix. Phoenix was sadly one of 55 horses that had to be seized and this little filly was three years old. She was the size of a horse that was about six months old and she was lying in mud and she was covered in feces and I literally thought she was dead. They rescued Phoenix and then began her rehabilitation. Within 30 days, she didn't even look like the same horse. She actually looked normal. Within 60 days, she was completely rehabilitated. It's those stories that make all the volunteer hours here an investment that's well worth it. That's what it's about, is doing better for these animals than someone has chosen to do in the previous past. Rainbow Meadows runs almost completely on volunteers, and during December, these stables celebrate the joy in all of it. More Christmas in the country when we return. Many people know just where to get a perfect real tree. We'll visit one tree farm that has become a tradition for many families at Christmas. And you can't have a tree without an incredible light display. You'll see one next. Another spectacular tree, the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree in New York City. The Norway spruce comes from Vestal, New York. It came from the side yard of a home, becoming the 91st tree to light up Rockefeller Center. Now thousands come to Rockefeller Center just to check out that amazing tree and experience Christmas in New York. But people also are turning out in droves to check out a farm near Sioux City, Iowa. A farmer there started putting lights up in his yard back in 1995. And as Andrew McCrae reports, they've been coming to Christmas Acres ever since. Rob Scheitler lives outside of Lemoore's, Iowa. What is a holiday attraction today has its roots from his days as a kid here on the farm. I started hanging Christmas lights when I was a kid on our family farm just down the road and it grew from there and first soon my dad got into it and we had lights on all the farm buildings, the fence lines, um, tractors, wagons. In 1995 he moved into a new home on the farm and brought those Christmas lights with him. It marked the beginning of what is today called Christmas Acres. Rob was just putting up lots of lights around his house on the trees and buildings for fun. But as years passed he acquired more lights. The display grew and so did the number of people driving down the gravel road to see it. We estimate this year we have 300,000 lights or more. I'm covering all the trees, the bushes, the fences. He used to begin putting up lights each season on Labor Day weekend. Today there is so much to do. He began this year on August 11th. They always open the weekend before Thanksgiving. Rob lives in the country, but that doesn't mean people have a hard time finding his place. There's often a solid line of cars down the gravel road for several hours on the weekends. For several years, people would simply drive by Rob's place to see the lights, but he always wanted people to experience the display up close. Probably eight years ago, the idea of putting in walking paths came to be. So people park on the opposite side of the gravel road and literally walk paths through Rob's yard. And if Rob is not outside greeting guests, he's most likely inside with his wife. 
working on an idea he suggested to her a few years ago. What if we turned our garage into a bake shop? And so for the last three years, our, every Friday and Saturday night, our garage turns into the Scheitler Bake Shop. So we call it the Scheitler Bakers from Christmas Acres. There's never been a charge to come and see the display, but people kept asking if they could help Rob in some way. We always had people come to our front door and want to give us money, and we refused. And it got to the point where people were kept coming and kept coming, and so my wife, Joyce, said, if they're going to come to the door and want to hand us money, then we're going to, we're going to do this as a charity. In 10 years' time, they raised over $130,000 for the local Christian Needs Center in Lamar's. This Christmas, money is being raised for the Lamar's Community Fire Department and Wet Nose, a local pet rescue organization. There are literally thousands of people walking through Rob's front yard from around Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve. One has to wonder if there's ever a time when he perhaps wants a silent night, so to speak, to peacefully and quietly enjoy Christmas. Oh, I think it's great. If that was my way, we'd, we'd do this year-round if I could. This truly is a magical place in the middle of the farm fields of northwest Iowa. People come here to enjoy the Christmas lights and walk these paths each Christmas, and in turn, help raise money for local causes. Traveling the countryside in Lamar's, Iowa, I'm Andrew McCray. Now, lots of people are enjoying the holiday while gathered round the Christmas tree. And for those who pick out a real Christmas tree, they often return to the same tree farm year after year. We'll visit one, helping keep a family tradition going next as Christmas in the Country continues. Well, the Real Christmas Tree Board tells us about 20% of those asked were planning to buy a real Christmas tree this year. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us. Michelle, the board also reported that supplies would be tight this year. Christmas tree production is becoming a rarer part of American agriculture, but at Riverview Christmas Tree Farm on the Iowa-South Dakota border, they're helping keep their tradition alive. Todd Gannon and his wife Sherry left the corporate world eight years ago and bought the farm where Todd worked during high school and their family visited annually to cut their own Christmas tree. My wife and I were looking for a change. I was on an airplane every week and uh, just wanted to get back to more localized agriculture. Gannon says this type of agriculture requires a large amount of hand labor. Plus each tree takes eight to 10 years before it can be harvested and sold. So we have about 20,000 trees on the farm. Each year we will harvest or sell between 1,000 and 1,500 trees. Um, and then we come back in the spring with about 3,000 new trees uh, just due to death loss, what's harvested, and then also uh, some of the other trees just have to get knocked down because they're just not growing real pretty. But a tree that's not pretty to one family may be perfect for the next. And the experience of cutting their own fresh Christmas tree draws customers from hundreds of miles around. We're one of the last choose and cut uh, your own Christmas tree farms in the area. So we're, we're kind of the last thing left. Their goal at Riverview is to help families develop long lasting memories. We really uh, specialize in the experience more than just the tree. And we have families that have been coming out to the farm for over 30 years. Um, it's really just a fun experience for your family. Get out in nature, uh, enjoy the holidays. Santa Claus is here, uh, wander through the fields, and really choose that perfect tree for your family. The Cookta family has been coming to Riverview for the last 12 years. 
we decided to start our own tradition once my mom passed away and so this is our tradition that we come out and we pick a tree and actually my grandkids get to pick it so we get all sorts of different kinds of trees every year. And even the physical harvesting of the tree is a tradition that's being handed down from generation to generation. Kind of the guys rotate who actually does the sawing and so it started my husband was doing it originally and now my son's taken that over and I'm sure eventually my grandson will. Once the tree is cut, the Cooktive family heads off to have the staff process the tree for transport. So you bring the tree up and any of the past year's growth that's died off inside the tree will be shaken out. Uh, so the boys will run the tree through a shaker, I'll drill a hole for a stand and we sell stands or uh, the boys will attach a stand for you and then they run it through the netter so it's uh, kind of packaged up nice and easy to transport and get in your house. The cook just capped the day off with cider, hot chocolate, and holiday goodies at the lodge. And their annual family Christmas photo. A day of Christmas memories homemade in the country. I'm Michelle Rook reporting. Thanks, Michelle. And a Christmas tree looks great with some gifts under it, right? Up next, John Phipps has his annual Christmas in the Country message. dreaming of a white Christmas this year? Well, it's definitely not going to happen here in Missouri. John Phipps says you're not alone. For most of us, there's a powerful connection between Christmas and snow, our seasonal music, our decorations, and traditions all feature white stuff spread liberally around the landscape. Consider all the Christmas songs incorporating cold and snow. White Christmas, of course, let it snow, Frosty the Snowman, and the now controversial Baby It's Cold Outside are examples. Snowy scenes could become as nostalgic and incomprehensible as real candles on Christmas trees, which I continue to find hard to believe. Like, what were they thinking? While weather planters can still make abrupt course changes, 2023 has got a heat problem between it and snow for Christmas for many of us. The recent announcement of October completing the hottest 12-month period in recorded history, including a string of five warmest months ever and counting, doesn't suggest snow for many. Saying this, of course, almost ensures a frigid end of the year and a jet stream shift, bringing blizzards to everybody. 2023 is almost certain to be the hottest year ever measured. What is surprising to me is even as the world gets warmer, snowfall, for Illinois at least, shows no trend. Just decades like the 70s when it was memorably above average, balanced by sad years of brown Christmases during my prime sledding age. It's hard to see that pattern shrugging off the warming, even for a small area like a state. If nothing else, we could see a shift to rain and snow that doesn't hang around as long. Thanks to streaming TV and subscriptions, we now watch popular shows from other parts of the globe. And Australia and New Zealand are two of our favorite sources. Episodes depicting the Christmas season there often unsettle me because down under, 
they are used to celebrating Christmas during peak summer temperatures. Of course, the southern U.S. has adjusted their Yule customs to much milder climate than the Midwest, but I've, I've always felt just a little sorry for them. Snow, like so many kinds of weather, is enjoyable up to a point and for a reasonable period, which happens about 10% of the time. The corny, I love long walks in the rain, may be an effective flirting phase, but not after four inches on a freezing day. Anyway, I hope your Christmas plans mesh well with whatever weather you receive. Maybe you'll get six inches of snow just after everybody arrives safely. But if I were betting on a white Christmas around here, I'd have to take the under this year. Thanks, John. Coming up after the break, a second helping of Christmas in the country for all of you as we celebrate some favorite Christmas stories from the past right here on U.S. Farm Report. Stay with us. Christmas in the Country is brought to you by Case IH. The Farmall has been an iconic partner on the farm for generations. Come celebrate a century of Farmall, the one for all, with us at farmall100.com. We're taking a look back at some of our favorite Christmas features from the past this weekend. And what would Christmas be without holiday music? And one artist is helping others get into the holiday spirit every year. His inspiration all around him in the farms and fields of Goshen, Indiana. That's where Clinton Griffiths traveled in 2020. The sounds of the season. Beautifully struck. As the wispy choral notes float across the strings of Ted Yoder's hammered dulcimer. Just always felt like, like this was the instrument I was supposed to play. The hammered dulcimer with roots to folk music in Appalachia. Folk music at best, but typically mountain music. Can be found in a multitude of other nations and iterations. The stringed instrument with its spoon-like hammers has been a part of Ted's life for more than two decades. I mean, I, I play guitar, I play piano, but I just didn't, I wasn't drawn to it like the hammered dulcimer. There was, a, there's just a magic about the instrument um, there's a magic to the sound. And lately, he's been sharing that magic with audiences via social media from his home orchard in Indiana's farm country. When I'm going live in the orchard at any point in time, uh, you know, a tractor will go by, manure spreader, something is happening in the background because of the, the farmers next door. It was that setting back in 2016 that pushed Ted into viral video stardom. So the first week I went live, I had like, seven viewers, I think, and a total of 47 views by the, by the weekend. The next week, he took a different approach. I decided to play uh, a, a rendition of Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. By Sunday, I had 54 million views. Today, that same video has more than 100 million views. So that's what I'm most famous for. <laughs> As likely the world's most famous hammered dulcimer player, Ted continues to thrill his audiences online and draw inspiration from the farm fields around him. 
moments that percolate through his newly released winter album and his song called The Perfect Snow. I was sitting up in my office uh, last November and it was starting to snow like right around Thanksgiving, like it kind of does in Indiana. And, uh, and it was just that, that perfect, just falling snow, not blowing, falling. So this season, while he doesn't have a spotlight, we just, you, you just don't have a stage anymore right now and I don't know when it's coming back. He does have a way to share his passion across the web of wires, wireless, and emotional connections from the farm fields of Indiana, striking at the heart of the Christmas season. It's in my blood, it's so unique, and I just can't imagine playing anything else. Music to my ears. Thanks, Clinton. Well, he's charming, he's funny, and he comes to life every Christmas with a corncob pipe and a button nose. The magic behind that iconic corncob pipe is also still alive, thanks to one business in Missouri. That's where we're traveling next. U.S. Farm Report, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the name on a cap matches the power of one's purpose. Pioneer, what's next happens here. And speaking of tradition, the lyrics, the songs, and the images are what makes Frosty the Snowman so magical. And one Missouri company is helping keep that tradition alive every year as the only U.S.-based company to still make the iconic corncob pipe. We were able to travel to Washington, Missouri in 2019 to see how the Missouri Mershaw Company continues to bring the magic to life. A story that first came to life in 1969. and one that hasn't lost its luster, even when it comes to the iconic corncob pipes. Missouri Mearsham Company is a corncob pipe company and that has been in business continuously for 150 years. Nestled along the Missouri River in quaint Washington, Missouri, this brick building has seen 150 years of change. We were the first corncob pipe company, first company to commercially make corncob pipes, and for all intents and purposes, we're the last. The last corncob pipe company in the U.S. staying strong to its roots. All the pipes that we make are made are from corncobs that we grow. Phil Morgan says the secret sauce for the sesquicentennial pipe, the cob. We have our own hybrid. We're the only ones that have it. A rare type of corn baked into one heritage hybrid. That our corn, the hybrid we have, is made up of four old open pollinated varieties of corn from way back, you know, the early 1900s. Creating the desirable cob's perfect pith for making corncob pipes. But the next part of the cob is called the woody ring. And if you let that dry long enough, in our case about two years, that literally becomes as hard as wood and that's why you can make a pipe out of it. And from there, the magic begins. We have about 30 different uh, styles or varieties of corncob pipes. So we make all from little miniature pipes uh, all the way up to the big MacArthur pipe. An art that is all done by hand. There's a lot of artistry and a lot of craftsmanship that goes into it that people don't realize. The attention to detail and the artistry that stayed the same for 150 years. You can see the, 
craftsmanship and the variety that went into the pipes even back then. Missouri Meerschaum Company still uses one machine 120 years old, keeping the nostalgia and the magic alive. It's about as, as much of a heritage pro American heritage product as you can find anywhere. And that's what I'm proud of, just that we're, we're keeping it going. It's that momentum Morgan thinks won't change. The, the peak demand would have been in the 1930s to the 1950s uh, in that time frame. But thanks to older millennials, the hobby of smoking a pipe is making a comeback. I think what's driving that is just the social aspect of it. The iconic pipe made a memorable impression thanks to famous fictional stories. When you think about a corncob pipe, you would have either thought of Popeye, possibly, Frosty the Snowman, uh, Santa Claus in Twas the Night Before Christmas smoking a pipe, and of course we believe that was a corncob pipe. But the tradition of smoking a pipe wasn't always fiction. The person that most people would identify with Douglas MacArthur from World War II, the big uh, the, the really tall, big pipe that he took pictures with. We made his pipes for him right here. The MacArthur pipe is still made today. We uh, actually never stopped manufacturing this one, uh, and he kind of designed it. He took an, an older pipe that called the Grandpa that we had made from the, 19, or from the 1880s, and the bowl was too deep for him, so he had us move the, the shank up so it was, the bowl wasn't quite as deep. From Norman Rockwell to Thomas Hart Benton, the corncob pipe made in Missouri was a popular choice and one that still stirs up sentiments from the past. It's the perfect gift for somebody who, who wants to relax and contemplate life. And it's the iconic corncob pipe story and the revival of nostalgia, keeping the tradition alive today. Buddy, wave goodbye, say it, don't you? I'll be back on Christmas Day. That corncob pipe really does make some of the best gifts. You can check out their selection more at corncobpipe.com. Well, stay with us because up next we'll visit a man on a mission to save a Christmas tradition and one that Santa can't do without. Well, as we all know, Santa's preferred way to travel Christmas Eve is by sleigh. And one Missouri man has made it his life's mission to preserve history. And most of the sleighs he collects are over a century old. In 2020, Andrew McCray took us to Sleigh Works to see a collection fit for Santa and all of his elves. Bill Engel remembers attending a sale 22 years ago when some old sleighs were being sold. But what he remembers most is what the winning bidders did with those sleighs. I said, what are you doing? I said, that's, that's history there. And they said, well, what we do, we just take them all we want as the runners, and we ship them out to Denver, Colorado, and they make coffee tables out of them there. Bill did not like the answer they gave him, so he made a decision on the spot about what he intended to do. And I said, you got to be kidding. I mean, history is important and all of that. So I said, you got competition from now on. So for the past two decades, Bill has been buying sleighs and bringing them here to tiny Denver, Missouri, where he owns most of the old buildings around the square and has filled them with sleighs. How many, you ask? I'm going to say roughly in various conditions is 300 or thereabouts. There's nine buildings here. People are always asking if he's working to restore all that he buys. He reminds people that he's over 80 years old, he still farms, and there's only so much time in one's day, so he does what he can. He enjoys writing about their history and sharing stories with those who make an appointment to stop by free of charge. 
This one here I know was a was a mail carrier mail carrier. There it has the the brass mail carrier. Of course, all of the Ameri uh, the RFD mail carriers they made their own or had their own sleighs, much like today. A walk around these buildings reveals a multitude of shapes and styles of sleighs. There are sleighs that carried school children, others carried doctors, some were fancy. You know about the rumble seat and a car. Uh -huh. Well. How's that look? Yeah. That is a rumble seed. Bill believes he has the largest collection of sleighs in the country. Probably the oldest one here. He doesn't sell them, except to a museum on occasion. His purpose is to share the history with others. I'm saving them right now, is what I'm trying to do. What happens to them, I don't know. Today, what most of us know about sleighs deals with Santa Claus. And while we figure Santa knows what he's doing, if he runs into any trouble, he'll probably call Bill first. Traveling the countryside in Denver, Missouri, I'm Andrew McCray. What an amazing collection. Well, the museum, the collection, even the address to visit the museum, it's all on sleighworks.com. What's Christmas like in the Phipps household? That is John's world next. What's Christmas like in the Phipps household? John gave us a peek back in 2015. If you happen to be married to someone born on December 23rd and whose middle name is Noel, you'd better be ready to take Christmas pretty seriously. In the same way, if you are married to a former choir director for 30-some years, you'd better be prepared to take Christmas music pretty seriously. Those two facts essentially explain Christmas in the Phipps household. This year, I noticed that the gradual accumulation of beloved Christmas decorations had claimed virtually all the horizontal surfaces, hangable locations, and idle floor space in the house. Now, I, I'm not complaining. I love all the memories these keepsakes trigger. We have Swedish decoration from Jan's family traditions. We have handmade decorations from woodworking friends. There's a special Christmas book collection for calming grandchildren and about six trips up and down stairs worth of other holiday mementos that, after the decades, have acquired their own specific location. In fact, recalling exactly where all those are supposed to go has become a sort of a test for our memories. And should we misplace one? It will not go unnoticed by our knee-high protocol supervisor visitors. Meanwhile, in the background is playing my latest mix of all kinds of Christmas music, from traditional carols and hymns. to classic choral works. To New Age renditions.
and some that defy categorization. While Jan and I enjoy immersing ourselves in both the nostalgia and the promise of Christmas, we realize that our Christmas habits and rituals are just that, ours. We try not to make the mistake of insisting they be replicated in succeeding generations. While we would be happy if they find, as we have, a hand-me-down tradition to cherish in their evolving Christmas customs, our greater hope is they accumulate their own sustaining patterns of celebrating Christmas. Christmas has always been, and should continue to be, a do-it-yourself holiday. In fact, it is this process of making Christmas special in your own way that can make it a rare, repeatable joy. Here's wishing you your very own unique Merry Christmas. Thanks, John. Up next, the perfect Christmas gift, a Farmall Pedal C tractor. We're announcing the grand prize winner of the Case IH Holiday Giveaway, next. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com. In Rapid City, South Dakota, the community Christmas is the largest the city has ever had, coming straight from the Black Hills area. Officials say they were forced to cut down a tree because the tree's roots were starting to lift up a sidewalk, so it was given a second life as a Christmas tree. But as you can see, this one has a bit of a lean. Officials aren't sure what caused the tree's slanted stance, but they say it's healthy and stable, and they have affectionately nicknamed it Eileen. And another tree that's slightly different, but also being celebrated, the holiday tree at the British Parliament. Only half the lights kicked on after they flipped the switch. Eventually, they got the rest of the lights turned on. As we close out our 2023 Christmas special, it's now time to announce the grand prize winner of the Case IH Holiday Giveaway. The grand prize, this Case IH Farmall Pedal C Tractor, and the winner of this pedal tractor, John Duke of New Albany, Indiana. Congratulations, John. And speaking of tractor gifts, before we go, we have one more favorite story from the past. This one from 2022, when a Wisconsin ag teacher received the ultimate gift. Meet Larry Plapp just once. Well, I taught agriculture for 37 years. And you'll quickly see this ag teacher and FFA advisor had a gift. Had a wonderfully enjoyable career doing that, and, and as well as FFA advisor through that time. His gift was the ability to connect with students, especially their freshman year. It was kind of a launching point for the kids as to what they might take as their sophomore, junior, or senior year. Maybe that's why out of the close to 5,000 students that Plapp taught, they will forever remember him. He was like the teacher that came into school every day and he wanted to do his job. and He would do anything for anyone. The classroom was his calling, which is why the decision to retire this year was not easy. I had toyed with this for, for a while. But he simply knew that it was time. What Plapp didn't know is his retirement would come with a very special gift. I think we were at some leadership conference and he was talking about how another egg teacher from a different school got a tractor for his retirement. And he was like joking to us. He's like, oh, I bet I won't get a tractor for my retirement. A joke at the time turned into the student's new goal. I sent a Facebook message out to his brother and just hoped it kind of got to him and 
um, reached out to him, and he was really awesome about responding back. But Plapp's brother, who lives in Indiana, knew just the tractor the kids should restore. None of us None. have really restored a tractor, but I've worked, my dad works in a diesel truck shop, but before that he worked in another like auto mechanic shop where they like redid trucks and stuff like that. So my dad was the one who painted the tractor. And last spring, still unbeknownst to Plapp, he was in for the surprise of a lifetime. There was a line item in there for me, and I, I knew that. It was the last thing that we were going to do for that awards night. They called him up and gave him a couple personal gifts, and then... They said, well, we got to go outside to see the next one. Well, we had to walk outside, and all of a sudden, <laughs> they fire up the tractor, and I, I, I knew this sound. It's the sound of this, you know, M. And I go, that can't be. Just flabbergasted me as to you know, what had just happened. It wasn't just any tractor. This is a 1954 Super MTA. This was my dad's first farming tractor. And also the tractor Plapp and his brother first learned to drive. When most people get a plaque or other gifts for retirement, Plapp received a tractor. It really touched me to the core. And it was an incredible gesture of, of loved by these people. It was just something I'll, I'll never forget. Well, that does it for our 2023 Christmas in the Country special. Thank you for joining us. And thank you to Smith Lodge Christmas Trees for the wonderful backdrop once again. I know there's no snow, but that's fitting for this year in Missouri, the lack of moisture. Thanks again for joining us. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. I truly hope it's an enjoyable holiday with the ones you love.